my goodness. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Southern Social Worker. I hope you all have had a wonderful week. I know it's only Tuesday, but sometimes that Monday just feels like a whole week. <laughs> Today, we are going to talk about imposter syndrome. I feel like that's kind of a really big flashy word right now, but I think it's one of my favorites, honestly. If you don't know what that means, another way to describe it by a quick Google search is that it's also called perceived fraudulence. Um, and this is from Healthline. It also involves feelings of self-doubt and personal incompetence that persist despite your education, experience, and accomplishments. So in all honesty, we're just going to kind of dive right in. One of, let's see, I think her name is Melody J. Wilding. It is from The Muse. I think it's a really interesting way that she goes about describing imposter syndrome. They are as follows, the perfectionist, the superwoman or superman, the natural genius, the soloist, and the expert. And we'll dive deep into those and what those are, how they may apply to you in a little bit. But first, I want to talk a little bit about how imposter syndrome really resonates with us as social workers. Um, of course, it can relate and resonate with anyone in any profession. I've talked to so many people from a wide variety of lawyers to counselors to fast food workers, just everyone. They struggle with not feeling like they belong where they are really at some point or another in life. Um, I know I personally have felt it. I still feel it every single day. I think I mentioned in my introduction podcast that I am super young. I a little personal background. I graduated college a year early. That was always my plan. I really didn't have time for any games. I was just ready to get everything over and done with. And then I was able to do my master's program in one year. So graduated with a master's in four years and I jumped straight up to an assistant director position. And so that was super, whoa, and crazy to me. <laughs> But I think imposter syndrome really resonates with us as social workers in particular, mainly, and this is coming from someone who lives in Alabama, right now as a social worker, we can't diagnose. And that honestly really sucks sometimes because I feel, I had this conversation the other day with someone, I feel like we learn so much. We are required to learn so much. Some of us are required to learn the DSM just forwards and backwards, have super duper hard tests on it. And yet we still don't know, apparently to others, we still don't know. And this field with the groundwork already laid down as of right now in our state in Alabama, that we can't diagnose people. And apparently we, to some people, I don't think they think we know what we're talking about. Um, that kind of already sets the precedence for, well, maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I'm really not an expert at all. And I think that's where a lot of us find ourselves in at some point or another. Some people hold that feeling longer. Um, in this article that I referenced earlier from the Muse, it talks about imposter syndrome being a psychological phenomenon, but I don't know, me personally, my hot take is that I don't know if it's personally a phenomenon as much as it is just almost a natural stage of life, which maybe I'm totally wrong there. Um, that is personally my hot take. So kind of going to what Dr. Valerie Young had talked about with the five different kind of subgroups of imposter syndrome, kind of a quick rundown on all five. I'll tell you which one I identify with and then maybe you'll be able to figure out which one you identify with. And I don't think it's too uncommon to identify with a few different ones. Um, but I feel like a lot of us kind of 
identify with one more than the other. So the perfectionist, it is essentially, you know, you set high goals for yourselves. You are a perfectionist. And then when you don't ever reach that goal, you kind of have a lot of worry and anxiety and fear about measuring up and I like I like this article because it's like not sure if this applies to you. Ask these questions. So I will ask these questions that they say. Um, so if you're not sure that the perfectionist applies to you, ask yourself these questions. Have you ever been accused of being a micromanager? Do you have great difficulty delegating? So even when you're able to do so, you feel frustrated and disappointed in the results. When you miss the insanely high mark of something, do you accuse yourself of not being cut out for your job and ruminate it, ruminate on it for days? Or do you feel like your work must be 100% perfect 100% of the time? Um, I think that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people I know. I don't know if I identify with that as much as I do the others I'm about to read, but I think for a long time, especially in grade school and elementary school, I did just because A's were always it for me, and that's what I wanted, and that's what I strived for, and when I didn't get them, you can ask my mom, I think the first B I got on a report card, I don't know if it was till high school, but I sobbed, because it just was not what I wanted in my life, and I felt like a B, to me, was a failure, even though, honestly, a B is great, so, number two, the superwoman, or superman, so, they're and this is word for word from the website, they're convinced they're phonies amongst real deal colleagues and that they often push themselves to work harder and harder to measure up. But it's kind of just a false cover up for their insecurities and the work overload may harm not only their mental health, but also their relationship with others. Ooh, yeah. So if you're not sure that this applies to you, ask yourselves these questions. Do you stay later at the office than the rest of your team, even past the point that you've completed the day's necessary work? Do you get stressed when you're not working and found downtime completely wasteful? Do you feel like you haven't truly earned your title despite numerous degrees and achievements, so you feel pressed to work harder and longer than those around you to perceive or to prove your worth? Excuse me. I found that one very interesting. Next, we have the natural genius. So. These type of imposters set their internal bar really, really, really high, kind of like perfectionists, but the natural genius types don't just judge themselves based on ridiculous expectations. They also judge themselves based on getting things right on the first try. Oh my God, this hurts my soul because I think I found myself. Um, so when they're not able to do something quickly or fluently, their alarm and their brain just kind of burp, burp, burp. Yeah, that's, that is me. So, if you're not sure this applies to you, which I am absolutely sure this applies to me, but anyone else who may not be sure that this applies to you, are you used to excelling without much effort? Do you have a track record of getting straight A's or gold stars in everything you do? When you're faced with a setback, does your confidence tumble because not performing well provokes a feeling of shame? Or do you often avoid challenges because you're so uncomfortable to try something you're not great at? Bingo, that is me. I, in my natural state, and I've had to work on this a lot, I'd rather just not do something because I'm so afraid of failing than actually doing it. And so that's why starting this podcast was so like, I wanted to vomit a little bit because I thought it would just flop. And I mean, I'll be honest, it hasn't like done, just hasn't excelled, but I don't think it's been bad and it's just been fun to do. So I'm 
pretty proud of myself. That that was stepping out on the limb for me. So the next one we have is a soloist, and again, reading this word for word, um, sufferers who feel as though asking for help reveals their phoniness. So you're kind of afraid to ask for help. You're like, eh, if I ask for help, then maybe I'm really not that good. So ask yourself these questions if you're not totally sure that this is you. Um, do you firmly feel that you need to accomplish things on your own? And this is in quotes, I don't need anyone's help. Does that sound like you? And then do you frame requests in terms of the requirements of the project rather than your needs as a person? Yeah, that one hurt a little bit, but absolutely. And I like these, I like at the end of these because it's, they give little like tips and tricks on how to combat this. And for this one, it's like, realize there's no shame in asking for help when you need it, which is crazy to me because yes, that is absolutely true. But for someone who feels that, there's all the shame in asking that and all the... It, again, it just makes you want to vomit a little bit. And so number five is the expert. And experts measure their competence based on what and how much they know or can do. And so believing they will never know enough, they fear being exposed as inexperienced or unknowledgeable. And so if you don't know that this applies to you, ask yourself these things. Do you shy away from applying to job postings unless you meet every single educational requirement? Are you constantly seeking out trainings or certifications because you think you need to improve your skills in order to succeed? Even if you've been in your role for some time, can you relate to feeling like you still don't know enough? Or do you shudder when someone says you're an expert? Y'all, if someone called me an expert on something, I think I would do 100 million cartwheels because, again, I'm afraid to do anything because I'm afraid I'm going to fail. So, I do something enough to be considered an expert that is like well golly like that's amazing and so I know I'm running out of time and I'm kind of coming to a close I just want to say that this was my rant about imposter syndrome no I don't have an answer no I don't know how to fix it I'm gonna leave that up to someone else <laughs> see see because normally I'd try to fix it because I feel like if I don't fix it then I'm failing but I'm not I'm delegating uh, um, but what I do know is that we are exactly where we're supposed to be I saw that on a quote one time was it in a dove wrapper potentially but we are exactly where we're supposed to be and we got to where we are now for a reason we got through those long internships for a reason and we deal with all those Mm. all those difficult situations I'm not going to say difficult people but difficult situations for a reason and if we weren't meant to be there we something I believe that something would have happened to get us to not be there somehow some way you were exactly where you're meant to be and you were placed exactly where you're supposed to be placed whatever place you are in your life whether that be in a job you don't like and a job you love with some coworkers or some people that honestly kind of make you want to pull your hair out or with some people that you just appreciate and are so grateful for, you were placed there for a reason. And whatever that reason may be, I honestly don't know. Sometimes I don't know why I'm placed in certain places, but I know it is for a reason. And we may not figure that out for a long time. And we honestly may not know because it may not matter to us, but it may matter to someone else, you know, like a sister's brother's co-worker's cousin who knows I don't know
But as always, I want to thank you all for coming to The Southern Social Worker and joining me on this episode as we kind of dive into what imposter syndrome is, what subtype you may fall into, and really just kind of ranting about it and how it may impact us specifically as social workers, but how it also impacts everyone on a day-to-day basis. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. And if you struggle with imposter syndrome, please let me know because in all honesty, that gives more comfort to me than anything. Hope you all have a great Tuesday and a great rest of your week.